passion, analysis, hot takes. Welcome to Political Football. And now, your hosts, Cleve, Dave, and Maddie Ellis. And that sound means it is another installment of the Political Football Podcast hosted by Cleve, Dave, and this guy, Matty Ice. It's been about three weeks. I think June 22nd was the last time we put out some content. I think it's been a month since we've had Cleve. And to all the listeners' delight, we have both Cleve and Dave. Fellas, how are you? I'm good, man. Uh, it's hot. It's very hot. I'm not, I'll, I'll be complaining come the fall, maybe the winter, but it's been a hot hot summer so far in the good old dmv but uh otherwise excellent dave how you doing oh man i'm doing all right yeah it's been a little little while since uh since we recorded and um yeah things have been good i'm actually back to work so i've worked like 12 in the last 13 days so that's made a little bit difficult for uh uh, for recording but luckily i've got good computer access and keep up with everything happening in the nfl i'm currently in i just counted 41 best ball slow drafts right now so i'm ready to go that is more than i've ever been in in my entire life that's amazing that you're able to uh, <laughs> multitask in that fashion <laughs> well good i'm uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited for it we might have to do a little bit of best ball episode one day so we can get some of the listeners uh involved I think we can accommodate that. So before we get into all the stuff that we have missed over the last month, I wanted to play a clip from the show's mascot, and that's Dave Gettleman. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this one. This is about after the 2019 season was over, he was asked about uh, how the season went, and this is one of the things he said about himself. Be done. I don't understand the notion that I'm tough to work with. Um, I think it'd be from people who don't know me. Obviously, as we move forward in the coaching search, it's the dating game. And there'll there'll be that opportunity for them to look me in the eye and say, hey, Dave, what up? Uh, They don't like working with him because he has no idea what he's doing, right? Uh, Yeah, he has no general concept of anything. So, like, I'm sure he doesn't understand why his first three wives don't like him either. Like, he just can't. I actually don't know if he's divorced or not. I'm just assuming based on his voice in that clip. Um, you know, I just can't. He, he has no idea how to, like, be introspective and see himself how other people see him. So he thinks he's, like, big, tough football guy. When really he's sort of, like, soft football moron. Would that be the same for Dan Campbell, head coach of your Detroit Lions? Uh, I actually don't think it's quite the same. I think Dan Campbell is aware that people think that he's a bit out there and weird and different. I just don't think Dan Campbell cares about that. Dave Gettleman thinks everybody sees him like he's Vince Lombardi. That's a good distinction. Sometimes self-awareness can go a long way. And, um, you know, I don't know if Gettleman would ever say that he's not going to wipe somebody's ass the way that uh, Dan Campbell would say, with total seriousness behind him. So there you go. Cleve is loving that. (laughs) I think I think I you're, you're... Grown, grown men refer to wiping someone's ass because, and, and, like they're children, you know, like they work with children, so it's great. And do, doesn't everybody on the team make more money than Gettleman? Uh, yeah, just about. I mean, uh, yeah, just just about. Certainly, anybody that matters. Yeah, 
So I, I wanted to start off on something humorous because we talk a lot about Gettleman uh, offline and uh, we were talking about him as it related to Bitcoin yesterday and I shared that amazing photo of him uh, at camp with his uh, Bill Parcelsian outfit on and he just looks totally terrible. So I also said that I would try to get a quote from him at some point and I was like, you know, that's a pretty good one. But he's like, I don't understand why people don't like working with me. I, I think the three of us firmly understand that going forward. We should still get him on the show to discuss it. I think we might be able to. I think, you know, I was thinking about that, and I think if we play the waiting game, he's going to get fired, and then he'll have nothing to do. So I think we'll actually just uh, play the long game on that. No, Matt, you listen to the clip. He plays the dating game. He said, so, I get, I, I, get on Tinder, start swiping until you see Dave Gettleman, and get him on the show. Thank you. I actually love that because think about that's what he thinks of the coaching search as the dating game where it's like you're courting somebody and it's like there's a finite amount of candidates out there that you're looking through like and the fact that he thinks that it's a dating game is that should tell you everything you need to know and he ultimately went with Joe Judge which right great well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. his, so. his lineup for the pick for uh, Danny Dimes was basically going to a one game sample I'm like I've seen enough Give him the keys to the kingdom. Show Eli said, the and that is the cleave. That, that's the cleave method right there. I saw one play, one game. I'm good. Let's take him. Hall of Fame. Put him. Give him that jacket. As we've noticed. All right, fellas. So, um, not a whole lot has happened in football over the last three weeks as it relates to stuff on the field, but. This morning, as I was watching ESPN for some strange reason, uh, they dusted off a name that I don't think we've talked about since we labeled him a massive piece of shit, and that is Deshaun Watson. And uh, the reason I'm bringing him up is because Adam Schefter, who I think uh, he's probably the preeminent NFL newsbreaker guy. I'm not going to necessarily comment on whether he's a good journalist or not. He's just the guy that has all the information, and we send a lot of uh screenshots of his tweets and his uh, posts a lot but anyway he had to say that you know he thought that deshaun watson to the eagles was a natural fit and that if you put watson on the team right now as it's currently constructed they would be super bowl ready right now so i wanted to get your thoughts on that because we really haven't talked about him and this is also assuming that he's not going to be in jail for some extended amount of time cleve you go first um i don't I mean the guy's a great talent i mean you guys convinced me of that in the last two seasons that watches numbers. I even, you know, took Aaron Rodgers to start a team versus Deshaun Watson, like an idiot. Um, <laughs> but but at the, at the end of it all, um, you know, Philly's looking to win. So, I mean, if that works for them, that works for them. I, I really don't see how, you know, I mean, it, it's probably an upgrade from the Texans. But again, you know, that's that's what their, their, their team needs. It's, it's kind of like, I guess the flip side of that coin is looking at um, Jalen Hurts is like, hey, I'm still here. Like, you know, why are you bringing a guy in? You know, obviously they're not sold on Jalen. So if they're even going to entertain something like that, not that they said that they were, but the fact that people are putting him in that situation says, oh, the Eagles would be a good fit for him. It kind of says something about their quarterback situation right now. So I actually think that, uh, this is a terrible decision by the Eagles. Like, truly awful and short-sighted and stupid. Uh, the reason, and for a couple of reasons. One, Deshaun Watson is a massive piece of shit. That's first and foremost, right? <laughs> um, so, like, don't do that. The second reason is that Jalen Hurts has incredible upside. So you already have a good young quarterback with upside to explore. You don't need to bring in Deshaun Watson, who has incredible downsides, like, 
going to jail and assaulting women. <laughs> so you can avoid that and keep Jalen Hurts. And the last thing is that Adam Schefter is wrong about Deshaun Watson joining the Eagles, making them a Super Bowl contender. They're probably still the third best team in that division, even if they add Deshaun Watson, right? The defense on Washington is still better. The offense on the Cowboys is still better. So I think that they're taking this huge risk without much reward. It would be a terrible thing to do. So I expect it to be done by Thursday, to be honest. That's the part of that, that Dave. That was the part that I was really honing in on was the idea that him being placed on that team would make them a Super Bowl contender. And I was a little confused by that because I don't think that I'm looking at that team and thinking of them differently than the three of us do. Like they don't seem like they're a quarterback away. They seem that they're multiple pieces away, right? I mean, they had Wentz last year, which was their guy before. Their, you know, Hertz was their guy now. And I don't think we had the confidence that if you had just changed the quarterback that they would have been astronomically better than they actually were. Well, they have, they've improved their offensive line through acquisitions and yeah. having people come back off injury. So they have that. Their defense is okay. Maybe slightly above average. And then their, uh, their skill position players, they got Miles Sanders. Zach Ertz is gone and will be gone eventually, but they got Dallas Goddard. Wide receivers are young and upcoming and whatever. But if they hadn't won the Super Bowl like three years ago, he wouldn't have said that, right? The idea of the Eagles winning the Super Bowl seems possible. So it's an easy thing to say. Whereas the idea of the Washington football team winning it seems impossible. But like the Eagles would be better with Ryan Fitzpatrick this year too, you know? So it's just, oh, the Eagles just won. They're going to upgrade a quarterback. Therefore, they can win the Super Bowl again. It's just a lazy take. I hate to say that about Schefter, uh, Wolverine. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just pure laziness from him. Yeah, and it's unusual. He he normally just tells you what the, the breaking news is and doesn't generally give you his opinion on how they would be a fit there. And I thought that that was interesting. It's almost like ESPN has realized that they've come to the end of the Aaron Rodgers uh, content train because they've talked about him every single day somehow for three months. And they're like, let's dust off a guy we haven't talked about in a while. So let's, let's take Deshaun Watson, even though everything about him is completely up in the air. It just was a very odd uh, stance to be taking, and I understand that there might be mutual interest, but at the end, we need to know what's going to happen to him legally before we figure out what the hell's going to happen to him on a football field. Yeah, right. I, exactly. I agree. The uh, the ESPN jerk off train, they're chafing them now. Like we have, they have no more. They have no more stuff left. You know, they got to bring something else up. So. I mean, they even were salivating this morning because the thought of Aaron Rodgers showing up to game four of the NBA Finals, he's a minority owner of the Bucks. It was like, maybe that means something. And Dave, you and I talked about it. I think we, he accidentally forgot to turn off auto pay on his uh, Green Bay Country Club membership. And we're like, that doesn't mean anything. He's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll just keep it. Some of my friends can use it. But it doesn't mean anything. But they're constantly searching for what's going to happen with him. Let's just let it happen at some point. It's going to happen. He's either not going to show up, they're not going to trade him, or they're going to trade him. Like, how can we continue to talk about this day after day after day without any result whatsoever? Tell me that that wasn't a real story. What? The Green no, Bay Country story. Club thing? Yeah. Th that was real. That it was. was. Real. Wow. Holy shit. They're reaching. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. but like it's like the idea that uh, anybody that he couldn't still live and participate in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and somehow play for another team, say in Denver. I mean, that it's just preposterous, and it's also so funny because it's like we are really grasping at straws, and they're like, "What does it mean if he comes to the Bucks game? It means that he's a fucking minority owner. <laughs> he has a it's literal insane. financial stake in this game." <laughs> wow.
Yeah. So yeah, I um I, yeah, he's uh he's I still think he's gonna be he's gonna be out the door. ESPN is just reaching for things to talk about. And the thing is I still have like thirteen dollars in a credit union in Ann Arbor. It doesn't mean I'm going back. <laughs> you know, like That's amazing. And a credit union of all things. That's so like boomer of you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who was touting Bitcoin last night, I assume Cleve has everything in a credit union. Well, I have slightly more than $13 in Bitcoin, and uh, I, I actually think, not right now, but I actually think a great game to play would be to guess at what date Cleve will finally own Bitcoin. Like, what day will he finally break down and purchase something? We gamble on the date. That would be a fun thing to do, but not right now. That's really playing the long game because I'm not even sure I'll be alive in 10 years for however long it's going to take for it to reach that price. So anyway, um, also on the football front, I completely got the last name wrong in the show notes. A little insider. You sure did. I was cracking Uh, up. I was cracking up. I know. I'm cracking up now because I'm looking at it. But either way, uh, noted Packer Devontae Adams. Uh, said that this was a few weeks ago, but we ha- I had to bring it up because I laughed so hard when you sent this, Dave, but we never really get into it. He said it would be a, quote, dream to play with Derek Carr as a Raider. So thoughts on that, Cleve? You just gave a great reaction. So why don't you go first? All right, let me get past the laughing because um, you, you're going to leave Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr like he's the guy. Uh, it proved my point when I told you guys months ago that Aaron Rodgers can play the set-out game and play the bullshit game, but other players don't have that kind of currency. So, yeah, they come out. Now you're hearing some of the crazy stuff because he got backdoored. This is like, listen, you want out? Start start looking. When you find us an offer, we'll entertain you. So, yeah, if he's saying that, he's on his way out. Is there a relationship prior to that I'm not aware of, Dave? Yeah, they went to play at Fresno State together. So okay. they, uh, yeah, they absolutely just rolled through uh, the Mountain West Conference. Like, remember all those years when Boise State was winning all the time? Yes. There's only yeah. twice Boise didn't win. They didn't win the Colin Kaepernick at Nevada year, and they didn't win the uh, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams years with Fresno. Um, so, and because of that prior relationship, I think that's what a lot of Devontae Adams is saying. Derek Carr is on the hot seat. Las Vegas fans are just so angry with him right now. John Gruden is trying to get rid of him. And so Devontae Adams, who's one of the best receivers in football, is coming out. He's trying to big up his guy, be like, yeah, I would love to play with him. He's so great. Y'all should stop talking about him. I'm Devontae Adams. I think he's wonderful. Who are you? Stop talking about him. I think he's just trying to have his voice back. Um, I think if Rodgers does leave the Green Bay, Derek Carr is an upgrade over Jordan Love. So then it might become true. But right now, I think he's really trying to put some shine on uh on Derek Carr because Carr is really going through it because Derek Carr probably will not be the quarterback of the Raiders next season. Do you think he gets benched at some point this season for Mariota? Is Mariota still on the roster? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I think that he will because I think the Raiders are really going to struggle and Mariota is probably the best backup in the league. I mean, he's got to be up there, you know, top, top three or top five backups in the league. So, you know, at some point, yeah, he's going to get benched because the fans are going to be claiming for something and Gruden's going to have to do something to try to make him happy. And it's not going to be throw to Josh Jacobs. So they're going to try something else like benching Derek Carr. So I think that's going to happen and he's going to move on. He's going to go somewhere else next year. And that'll be that. I mean, Raiders right now, if the Broncos stand pat, are probably the third best team in that division. And if the Broncos get Rodgers, they're easily the worst. The Broncos, right. the Raiders are the worst team in that division, anyways. I mean, okay. I could go quarterback. I feel go quarterback the Broncos right now. They'd be better than the Raiders. 
you know, I actually would love this. I wish we could actually make these things uh, come to fruition where every time Dave says I could do this over this, I would love to be able to actually make this happen. Be like, I could get 100 yards in an NFL game and then Cleve and I would be like T.O. with the popcorn. Go Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I I could throw goal line fades all day long. That's how you know it's a bad play because I could do it. So I'll just out there chucking the court and something. It could be it, it could be second and sixteen from our own eight. I'll just be throwing goal line fades to Cortland Sutton because I can do it. I'd go three for forty one. You know, well, he'd be throwing goal line fades on the fifty, just hoping to get three yards at a time each time. Exactly. Now, Cleve, I think I think you can make that work. Uh, having worked at the you know at one of the gyms you work at, there's a lot of uh, NFL guys who come through. So perhaps a live event could be Dave chucking goal line fades to some of your pals out there. Yeah. Yeah, see if I can set that up. That would be amazing. <laughs> we'll do it for charity. If Dave can get to three for forty-one, we'll each match a donation to charity. Well, I'm all it, for it. it. Yeah, it, it depends. It depends on who I'm throwing to. If I have a chance to throw to uh, who I think is going to be the number one wide receiver in football this year, Stephon Diggs, I like my chances. If I have to yeah. throw to Maddie, if I have to throw to Maddie Ice being covered by somebody else, I don't like it as much. I was just about to say that uh, I'll Devonte Adams you and say I'd love it would be a dream to catch goal line fades from you, Dave. <laughs> yes, I and uh, you're also just trying to put some shine on me too, just like Devonte is for Derek Carr. You don't actually mean it. You'd rather you'd rather play with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh well, obviously. I mean, uh, it would just be a lot of fun because I'm I'm always thinking about ideas like this. But I realize that all of us have our sort of thing where we say we could do this better. And Dave, yours are mostly on the field physical stuff, and I think that would actually be the best part to watch. Because Cleve <laughs> says he could. Cleve said he could GM better, which means he'd have Aaron Rodgers and all the 38 year old Larry Fitzgeralds on his team because he needs guys that are proven, and uh, his team would have a. Yeah, well, uh, Cleve's team would have a, an eight-game uh, window. So if they don't win the Super Bowl in those eight games, uh, they're not going to win anything after that. Uh, and what's funny about that is that Cleve and I should actually switch because I actually probably could GM better. And Cleve might actually be the best quarterback on the Broncos roster right now. Like, that could actually be the case. So we should just switch our brands here and be more accurate. Um, oh, I was... I was going to bring this up later, but speaking of GMing, it's actually a good uh, a good segue. Um, this was a few, I don't know, a few days ago? Yeah, a few days ago. Uh, they ESPN tweeted that NCAA Football 14, which I believe was the last iteration of that game, yes. uh, was yep. released yep. eight years ago. And they gave us the top-ranked players from that game uh, in, you know, in, in 2014. Can you want to try and name some of them? Because I've got the list in front of me. Okay, so I'm... I have to think back. I'm sure I could. But the thing is, I download all, all the new rosters still, every year. Yeah, um, I still play it. I still play it. Okay. But, but so uh, Johnny Manziel is going to be on there. Yes. Right? He he's should not, still be there. He was a 97 overall. Yep. Uh, so we're talking the 2012-2013 season. Yeah. Uh, Cleve, you start talking. Let me think. One of these well, names the, on here made me laugh out loud. Well, the cover guy was Denard Robinson, right? That's very yeah, but that, he was gone, so he he wasn't in the game anymore, right? Because right. he couldn't be in the game, be on the oh, cover, so he was gone. He was gone, okay. But uh, yeah. I bet Mike Evans was still there. Not on this list. Yeah, however, it would have been it would have been the 2014 class. You've got like Aaron Donald, Odell, oh, Eric okay, Ebron. Okay. Yeah, right. It's that 2014 Brandon Cooks. You have like yeah, that yeah. 2014 draft class. Well, the Any funny of those part names, is, Mac? nope. Um, 
because anyway so this is one name that that st stuck out at me he's a 97 overall and he's more known for brent musburger talking about his girlfriend than he is for actually being a great quarterback and that would be aj mccarron aj mccarron yeah 97 overall by the way the top rated player in that game was jadavian Clowney. yeah that makes sense because that would have been the season that he that's this year after he murdered vincent smith in that bowl game so that's that makes correct. sense yes <laughs> Which the best thing ever was when they put that to Jim Ross calling uh, Mick Foley getting tossed off of the Hell in the Cell. Uh, as God is my witness, he is broken in half. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so, you're telling me AJ McCarron was a 97? You bet. Yeah, wow. that's that's that. Even even in the college game, he was never he was never a 97. <laughs> but he, he would have been. But see, 2013, he would have been throwing to not Julio, Amari Cooper. Yeah. 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 Amari Cooper. yeah, I'll name off the other names on this list. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas, yep. uh, Mar Marquise Lee, CJ Mosley, Braxton Miller. Yep, makes sense. Uh, T Teddy Bridgewater, mm -hmm. Jake Matthews, and Aaron Murray. Yeah, those, those all are those are all very those are all very reasonable. It just shows yeah. that they really didn't prioritize wide receiver when they made that game because yes. that draft class you had like Odell and Evans and Sammy Watkins and and all that so they didn't probably occurs to see where those make sense it actually speaks to the point too or like you're rating these players in college and then you know you look at how their careers have panned out in the nfl necessarily and like you know it, it's it, it kind of speaks to how not every great player in college is destined to be great in the nfl that it's difficult to switch right it's really difficult to switch so i thought looking at the names i was like wow you know i recognize a lot of these names but then when you think about where they went after that like how many hall of famers are on that list how many you know pro bowlers are on that list or all pros and stuff like that and it's not necessarily a direct translation because they were great in college and the names that we named off aren't even on the list and those are the you know some of the best players that we have in the league right now so i'm uh you know matt you're much more of like the statistician actually doing math type but i i would imagine that if you like took the last the final year ncaa football ratings for every player from from like that 20-year stretch it was going and you did like the hall of famers and then the all pros and the pro bowl and the starters and the scrubs i bet the average rating go descends so the hall of famers actually yeah. do have the highest rating on average and so on and so forth as you go down like i'm not going to do that because i'm working all the time but i just imagine like it makes sense in my head that that would that would be the case yeah. do you agree yeah probably uh it certainly would be fun i mean they take the ratings a lot more seriously now and they put so much into it where guys get paid a lot of money to get these right to get these as accurate as possible and that was eight years ago so imagine if they did that now and they started re-upping i think that ea's potentially going to restart the series. I know that they're making a big announcement soon about uh, restarting a franchise, and I can only think of that oh, one right now. So Yeah, it's it's coming. It, it's coming. They just have to work out a deal um, yeah. to pay all the players all at once through like something but they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna work it out that that's gonna be a cash cow I, I would pay 500 dollars a year for that game they they're gonna do it yeah it's gonna be really fun so um anyway switching topics a little bit uh the nfl has moved to that point where i feel like all we're getting is negative stories and it's a lot of guys you know running into the law so to speak and not all of these are created equal but We've talked about each of these somewhat individually offline, and I wanted to start uh, with this one because, Cleve, I think you can tell a story that you told me offline that can get a little bit of clarity and how easy it is to potentially be um, 
you know arrested for this but barcavius mingo which what did you say cleave it sounded like a bond villain is that what you said he sounded like or yeah no a star wars guy that's right <laughs> that's right and um he was recently released by the falcons because he was arrested and charged with indecency with a child uh with a child for sexual conduct and apparently the the 13 year old said that uh mr mingo basically you know Put his hand down the kid, the kid's pants, and I don't know if how true it is. Uh, the oh. the lawyer said the lawyer said that you know the the Falcons jumped the gun by by releasing him, but um, you know Cleve, you told me a story about how easy it is to get pinned for this, and I didn't know if you wanted to share that just to let it know. It doesn't it doesn't take away whether he did it and whether what he did was heinous, but it does allow a little bit of clarity yeah. because it's they're not all created equal. This story seems like it's a lot different than yours, but uh, it is easy to get pinned yeah. for it and get get you know jail time for it yeah so uh i have a good lawyer friend that's actually my my you know my attorney um told me years ago that um a guy was at a picking his kid up from like a elementary school and had to use the bathroom with that and he's waiting 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 the kid's not coming out yet so he jumps out of the car runs to like what he thought was a, like a clearing and to relieve himself and he's like he, i mean he pulled his pants all the down he's he's pissing he looks up and comes into focus with like 60 70 kids looking at so um he was arrested and he was charged with indecent uh, exposure and something else lewdness or some shit and then uh got eight years in prison and my boy was like uh the eight years was a deal i'm like wait i'm like that was the deal he's like yeah that was the deal when he gets out he has to do like the whole sex offender thing and he's done. I'm like, for taking a pic, he was like, they didn't look at it like that. He, he exposed himself to. So I thought it was like he, you know, got out of his car willfully and just did that. But he was taking a piss and he got pinned for it in New Jersey, all places. But um, I didn't know with the with the Mingo thing that it, it's the legend that he that he touched the kid. Like that's insane. Yeah. Dave, what do you yeah. think about this? So. Yeah, I see why why that person in your story was a deal because sixty to seventy kids. I think I bet each one is a separate count. So yeah, um, that's like what seventy yeah. felonies at once. Um, so yeah, generally when this is hard when when we're talking about people with money and influence, when they get arrested, I generally tend to believe that the arrest is legitimate. Um because there's so many ways to avoid it like if it's not the case if it's a misunderstanding or something like that right like if you're hauling out this millionaire nfl linebacker on this charge it's they probably do think this is actually the case i don't know about the case to say enough one way or another all i do want to say is that i've had a long-running joke going back 15 years since barquivis mingo was in high school about using his name as a joke Barkevious, like I'm gonna name my kids Barkevious, or someone be like, guess my name, and it's like some you know nerdy looking white dude. I'm like, is it Barkevious? Like, right? And uh, and now I can't do that anymore. And that's not by that's not the most important thing about this at all. But I'm a little pissed that like <laughs> that I have this 15 year bit that has to come to an end, or I have to find somebody else to use now because Barkevious Mingo was just too perfect. Like even my friends who don't like football know who Barkevious Mingo is because of this joke. So wait a minute, Jesus. so. Dave, you've been following him since high school? He's in high school? Yeah, because he was like a all-world just pass-rushing demon coming out of school. And then like 
he looked at Michigan for like 30 seconds before he decided to stay in the SEC and went to LSU. So, that makes sense. but like, it was like, oh, so I'm saying, but like, so the name jumps out. I mean, you're reading recruiting reports and it's all, you know, yeah. it's Deshaun, Andre, Joe, Barkevious, like it really <laughs> stands out. So, yeah. And it's funny, this one, uh, you know, you, you, you said, Dave, that it's hard. Like when, when these stories come out, it is hard because we generally tend to jump to conclusions that they're guilty before finding out too much but the one you sent today about Dwayne Haskins uh allegedly getting punched in the face by his wife um mm-hmm. and I guess filing charges and that one caught my eye obviously since you sent it but because we generally don't see that happen in reverse and it's usually you know Dwayne Haskins beat his wife but she's allegedly beating him up so um you know what do we make of that I mean I'm sure there's a bunch of jokes we can make about Haskins and whether this bodes well for his season coming up but uh you know who knows what the heck happened there, but I found it interesting because it means he would have had to have pressed charges against her, which how crazy could that have gotten? Well, so I'll oh, go ahead, Cleve. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Dave. So here, here's how that could possibly work. And again, we're, you know, we're, we're alleging to our audience, like when we don't know the exact facts here. So the state could pick up charges. If I assaulted Dave in public and Dave's, you know, that's no, please my boy. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to press it. They can still bring charges against me and says, you know what? He he did that. We're gonna still prosecute. So we don't know if, if, if that's the situation here. Um in, in his situation. And it does happen more than often because Tiger Woods' wife put hands on him the night of the, you know, when he crashed the Jeep and everything, you know, the first time. Didn't so she put a golf think, club to, to him. Yeah, golf yeah, club. She, to she, put a, she put a nine iron on him, but yeah, so, you know what? So and, and you I know. think, you know, as today's point like when these guys are high profile guys it probably got it probably got nuts a little bit and he probably you know you know what let me not do anything and she just took you know full liberty to say oh you know what she's not gonna fight back i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you whatever because i can't see him willfully go into the station and filing charges on his wife unless they're done you know like they're done you know where it's it's over or whatever so I, i think it's if i'm and again speaking out of school here I think the state probably, or she's probably charged by like the police or whatever, and then maybe he'll have to testify or not for it to go forward. Hey, what do you think? So, you know, obviously we don't know the situation here, um, and I've not seen uh, the wife, so like I don't know like how tall she is, but he's like six five. Yeah, I met him a couple of times. Big guy. Yeah, yeah, and the charging uh, document said that she punched him in the mouth like hard enough to draw blood so wow. i'm like is she six one or did she like <laughs> jump or was he like so like he's sleeping his phone yeah. dings she looks at it you know it's some other woman and she's like oh hell no Dwayne," and goes over and starts barreling while he's laying down or something you know and then he doesn't even know what's happening he's just waking up and getting beat up or something so I'm not sure what happened. Uh, whatever it is, though, it's not being charged both ways. So it does not sound like he hit her back, which is yeah. good. Um, and I'm not, there's never, like, it's not an excuse. Like, women should not be beating up their husbands, uh, uh, their husbands either. Um, and I don't think there's any really jokes to make at Dwayne's expense uh, about yeah, this for a couple yeah. of reasons. One, it's not funny. But two, 
like this is not the most embarrassing thing to happen to him in the last couple of years. Like his play on the field is much more embarrassing than getting beat up by by his wife. So uh, that would technically be a joke to make at his expense, Dave. So good for you. It, it sure it, it sure would be. It sure would be. <laughs> That's I, right. uh, Do you think there's any validity to guys in the locker room seeing this and treating him differently? Like, you know, because the uh, the locker room can be filled with toxic masculinity, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. But like. You know, there probably are some guys who are like, man, this guy let his wife beat him up. You know, do, do you think that that happens? And do you think that that, you know, makes his chances of gelling with this new team, the Steelers, at a disadvantage? And I'm not trying to make a joke about it. I'm, I'm sincerely asking. Well, I, I mean, I don't know, but the Steelers are currently quartered by Ben Roethlisberger, who is definitely guilty, allegedly, the other way, like a couple <laughs> times, allegedly. So, like, if you can gel with Ben Roethlisberger, who's the perpetrator, you can probably gel with Dwayne Haskins because he's the victim. Unless there's some Goodness. major difference between Ben Roethlisberger and Dwayne Haskins, some giant glaring difference between the two of them, like some big obvious thing you might just like look at and see that you would treat one differently than the other when one's the victim of a crime and one is allegedly out here just going crazy in Georgia bathrooms, allegedly. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I don't think it should be a problem, but in the NFL, it actually could be. Yeah, true. Well, we got um, one more to talk about, and um, this is the, the complicated one. So it's Richard Sherman, and there's more and more details that are coming out about this. But so, uh, so far as I can see, he was arrested for being uh, drunk. Uh, and according to a 911 call, which was made by his wife, he was drunk and threatening to kill himself. He was also apparently, um, you know, arrested on a hit and run that was re unrelated to his uh, the instance with his wife. But... It seems like it's a very complicated situation that needs a lot more details about it. And it's disturbing for many reasons because, honestly, I didn't think he was the type of guy who would have this happen. And you have to ask yourself, uh, what else could be going on that could be causing this? But I didn't know how you guys were processing this one because it's, it doesn't feel as cut and dry with all the details that are coming out. And you kind of wonder what's going on here. Yeah, I have no idea what's happening with... Uh um with this one i mean when i first heard all the details my first thought was okay he's driving drunk he hits that guardrail he pulls away and he starts sobering up and he realizes that i'm richard sherman i just fled the scene of an accident drunk and this is going to be bad so he starts drinking again and that's on his mind it leads to an argument or something but i legitimately have no idea what's going on in this case and i think that the richard sherman case here does uh, we just like I don't know if there's a mental health thing going on like a long term but it sounds like there might that there's at least an acute one where mm -hmm. something has happened if he's saying that he's threatening if he has suicidal ideation even if he's just saying it out loud that's still mm -hmm. a major step and we just do not address mental health with men enough with black people enough with athletes enough and he is all three and so, you know, him and I even, you know, it could have been a simple case to where he just needed to go to talk space for an hour and mm -hmm. just doesn't even know that that's an option or something. And then it spirals out or whatever. So, you know, we say we didn't think that he was the type or whatever. I think every single person is capable of having an acute mental health crisis that can lead to behavior or actions or words that are not otherwise representative of them. So that's why in this case specifically, I just and reserving all judgment on everything until I hear, you know, like a full timeline of what, of what occurred. Dave, I, I would circle back to what you said earlier. Um, when we started talking about high profile guys. One of the things that 
people don't realize is that, and like three of us, for instance, you know, we have significant others. If, if we got into an argument with our significant other and the door was locked and we, you know, tried to force our way into our homes, into the home that we pay for. And she's like, you can't come in. They call the cops and, and all of that. If we were to force our way in, that is actually breaking and entering mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And yeah. I think that these charges that all came up the way they, they did, it would lead us to believe that this guy's a drunken maniac. But Richard Sherman's, you know, his track record doesn't show anything, any behavior like this versus guys that we know in the league that have been in trouble multiple times. Like if this was Alden Smith, not to drag the poor guy into something like this, you know, he's like, oh yeah, well, you know, we know that, that he had a drinking problem at one point and, and maybe he's off the wagon or whatever and stuff like that. But I think that it, it, it escalated, but Matt made a point to me this morning offline about the 911 call being like, they weren't taking it as serious or it, it, it didn't relay like it was an emergency. The dispatcher, Matt, you want to explain that? Yeah, the, the dispatcher certainly didn't sound uh, like you would expect the dispatcher to sound in an in a instance like this where a woman is calling the police a violent male outside of her home and instead of you know being sympathetic, trying to get the authorities there as quickly as possible for this escalated situation, uh, the, the tone of voice that I got from this, this dispatcher was sort of like annoyance. And so I implore anybody who you know wants more information to listen to the 911 call because I do think it's very telling and it highlights you know do are we taking women's uh, you know problems seriously in this manner? I mean, as a in, no matter who she's married to, I mean she's calling and saying that even if it's her husband that he's outside the door, you know, drunk and and threatening to come in and harm himself. I mean that should be taken seriously. And the dispatcher just seemed to not have that kind of empathy. I didn't want to play the the 911 call here because to me it's you know a little invasive for this particular show. It's one thing for a large news outlet to get it, but um, it was it was it was just interesting because I, I thought that there was it was problematic on many levels. One thing that's good about this, uh, his wife did come out and say that nobody was harmed, including himself. I mean, he was detained by a police dog, but I mean their kids weren't hurt. He didn't physically harm himself, which I think is a good thing. Um, and you know they're they're all trying to work it out they're trying to get him out i know he was denied bail i don't know the reasons for it but it's an incredibly unfortunate situation and as somebody dave you talked about how we don't talk about mental health enough for men um as somebody who did go through a very serious something three months into the pandemic three months into uh being a dad it was very overwhelming and i had a breakdown and i didn't go to these these lengths but it certainly was scary for me so i you know definitely hope that it gets better for him because you know he's facing a weird time in his life i'm sure 33 still a free agent he's at the tail end of his career i'm sure he's dealing and processing with those things there could be other things happening too um and we just hope for the best for for him his family and everything and it gets sorted out um you know in a way that people continue to not get hurt and that includes richard sherman yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Uh, totally agree with with all that, and I'm also very glad that this incident did not end with him being like harmed or killed by the police. Um, you know, I'm glad they didn't just roll up and start opening fire on Richard Sherman or or something like that. Um, which is why when you mentioned the 911 call not taking it seriously, I mean for for the wife to even think I have to get the police involved, she has to be absolutely terrified. 
because she's going to know the risk that's going to put Richard Sherman in. So that's all the more reason for the 911 operator to take it seriously um, that that this is obviously a really scary situation. Right. So um, ultimately, we'll see what happens there. But we're finally going to get into the meat of this episode. So I'm going to take a step back on this topic because I think the two of you are covering all bases on this particular topic. And that is um, Shikari Richardson suspension. So she is a sprinter. Uh, I believe she's 21 years old, and she was going to represent her country uh, in the Olympics, which are happening, I think, in like 11 days. Uh, I think it was last week she popped positive for, I think they said cannabis, but she basically was, you know, smoking marijuana. And uh, since then, she has been, she's not allowed to go to the Olympics, and nor was she selected for the relay team. So her Olympic dream, at least for this Olympic cycle, uh, is over. And both of you had differing takes on this. So I wanted to start with you, Dave, because I think your take was kind of, you know, more out there in our offline conversation. And then I want to allow for Cleve to have a rebuttal. Yeah, my take is that the suspension is bullshit. This is uh, just an extension of systemic racism, pure and simple, and that Shakari Richardson never should have been suspended. People in power in this country should be backing her to play. The United States should be threatening to not go to the Olympics at all and pull out the last second, which is putting pressure on allied nations to do the exact same and really, really putting the full force behind her and supporting her here. Now, we're not going to do that because she's because she's a young black woman and, you know, that makes her expendable in the society. The reason why it's bullshit and people get hung up on this is that they think that it's you know, the rule is the rule, therefore the enforcement of the rule is correct. But rules are not handed down by God, except for 10 of them, I guess, if you're into that. Like, and don't smoke weed isn't one of them. Um, the rule, any rule that prohibits the private use of marijuana is designed to punish and harm black people, full stop. So what happened in Shikari Richardson's case, right? She was smoking because she was having a mental health issue because her birth mother had just died. Okay, so what's happening here? Well, first, we don't fund uh, schools, poor schools, inner city schools enough, right? So from the start, uh, mostly black populations are underfunded in their schools. We underfund and stop after school programs where people can meet mentors, that sort of thing. We make people run up a huge massive debt if they want to go to college and in college, is where you might get access to some of these resources that you didn't get when you were when you were in school. So we have limited access to mental health for black kids, both in school and outside of school. We actually have limited access as black adults to mental health, uh, no matter where we are. And so then what do we do? We heavily penalize the most common and easy and safe self-medication that there is for a lot of these mental health issues, and that is marijuana. The only reason to be punitive about the use of marijuana for an Olympic sprinter is to punish the sprinters. And this is a sport in America dominated by black people. I can't even remember the last white sprinter that that was winning in the United in the United States, right? This rule exists to punish black people for being excellent. She was too excellent to get to get caught up when she was young. She was too excellent to get caught up right now in her college years. They had to finally wait to try to destroy this black person's life until she got caught using weed. Marijuana. Are you kidding me? Everybody thinks marijuana should be legal just about. And at this point, the ones who don't are like, like, it's actually like a telltale sign of like some real MAGA bullshit. This suspension is awful. 
the lack of support she is getting from all sorts of people in charge, including from Nike, from President Biden, from uh, people considering themselves progressives, is absolutely absurd. She should have, she should know that she has the full support of everybody behind her, even if the rule is going to be enforced. She's being hung out to dry and left because people do not care about her except for her ability to sprint. And the second she couldn't sprint anymore, nobody gave a shit. That was that was very interesting, and I, I couldn't couldn't wait to the unpacking of of, of what you of what you said. Uh, there were some things I could relate to, um, and there's a whole lot of stuff that I I, I just kind of don't relate to or or don't don't agree with, and and I would premise that uh, I'm going to break it down into a couple of different morsels uh, for us. So first of all. Um, she didn't they no one waited for an opportunity for to catch her to say oh this is what you did we got you um she owned up to she owned up to what happened and i think the support at the time got her the extra suspension because had everything had died down when it was supposed to when she said okay i fucked up i did this i'm gonna wear that one month or whatever i'll be back in time for my for my um, relay or whatever, I'll miss my individual, whatever. Whatever happened in that space, it pushed the IOC to now say, well, you know what? Then you're out completely, right? Again, Dave, I agree with, I don't, you know, to, to, to take someone's dream away, to take that time away from them for something this, you know, not this, it wasn't cocaine, it wasn't, a methamphetamine it wasn't even a performance enhancing drug but it, it, it was something that the federal government has still on their schedule as a as a narcotic almost or it's not you know it's not on the state level where oh states can say well it's fine here um i beg to ask who's in her camp because to your point dave no one can tell someone how to process grief someone loses someone uh, whether they're close or not, I, it's not my place to say, well, Dave, you know what? You shouldn't have a drink. You shouldn't do that or whatever. But in the grand scheme of what's to lose here, if if you train for the Olympics to play, to play hockey or whatever it was, and this is your shot, something happened catastrophic to you, and you get ready to smoke, I'm, I can guarantee me or Matt would be in the face like, Dave, wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, understand what could happen. You could get a surprise pop test or whatever. I don't want you to lose your four years of training for that. Because for Shakari, it's not only the four years of training she lost because of this bullshit rule, which I I agree. She's now lost potential sponsorships going forward until this is kind of kind of like off the radar. Um what what no one mentioned in all of this situation, where was the rally for the for the the runner that got dropped by Nike? for getting pregnant and having a baby. Like they we as we as people that buy Nike products should have been like, you know what? Fuck you, Nike. Like you drop someone for having a, a kid, but you 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 back Ryan Locke for for faking a robbery and all this other shit. So I get where you're coming from, Dave, but in this situation, she set herself up for a situation and she's representing her country. So you can't move the goalposts as we like to say on this show, we can't move the goalposts to satisfy our ills. 
she was fine with the one month. She was fine with the, if you if you go back to that when that story hit, she apologized, she owned it, whatever that came out. And then people started saying stuff for social on, on Twitter and all that. And I'm like, and I said to myself, like, this is not good because it would have lost in the in the news cycle, but now there's some push and they're gonna you know, well, you know what? Fuck it. Don't bring her on. Because we don't want anyone on the tour saying, I mean, I'm sorry, in the Olympics saying, hey, how well, why is she here if this is a rule? It's a bullshit rule. I agree with that. But nonetheless, it is a rule. And and she broke the rule. You know, I just look at it like, you know, it's something that um, we know. And this is speaking as a black man in this country. We know that the margin of error for us is very thin. And that situation lended it lended itself to that to, to that uh, being how strict things are for us. So that's my take. I don't disagree with, with everything you said, but I, I disagree with that that everyone should rally and 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 every na- you know every nation. No, she broke a rule. It's a rule for but, a reason. Right, but it, yeah, but that reason is to punish black people for smoking weed. That's the reason the rule exists, right? So you just mentioned that for us, the the margin we have a thin margin to work with, but that the mm-hmm. thinness of that margin is divided by the bullshit rules in the first place. The bullshit rules are what the actual concrete backing of the thin margin itself, right? If weed had been fully legal for the last fifty years, there's a lot less of us in jail right now. The thin margin yeah. is the bad the bad rule. Now you mentioned that you know the rules the rule is being enforced well i certainly agree with with that and i'm not saying that there shouldn't be rules but a rule like this that is unjust a rule that is meant to bring injustice is not a rule that should be enforced right technically rosa parks being arrested was was perfectly legitimate they were just enforcing you know rules a rule i'm not equating the two things i'm just using it to bring to, to mm-hmm. make the point that like when we think of Rosa Parks, we don't think about the fact she got arrested for breaking a rule. Like the breaking the rule was the right thing to do, well, right? And in this case, I'm not saying that Shakari Richardson was taking a stand or anything like that. What I'm saying is that the rule itself is unjust. Therefore, the enforcement of the rule itself is unjust. One second. You also said that the attention that came to her because of the suspension and people saying that she shouldn't be suspended and all that got her dropped from the relay team. That's really saying that this injustice done to her by punishing her for smoking weed, which should not be ruled in the first place. The fact that there was attention brought to that injustice, injustice led to even more injustice from the people in charge. That is even more of a reason why people should be coming to her defense now, because now she's completely exposed. She's being victimized even more for smoking weed and nobody is coming to, uh, to back her. Also, the federal law in this case doesn't matter because organizations can choose not to test for marijuana if they want. So she's not under arrest for it. She's not going to a court for it, right? Um, And then you also mentioned that somebody in her camp needed to have her back. I kind of agree with that, that somebody close to her should have been like, you really shouldn't be doing that. However, her camp should not have to be in a position to have to navigate racist bullshit rules in the first place to keep their person safe, right? Like, what's wrong with Johnny Manziel's camp? Right, Johnny Manziel's camp has to do other things too, but you know what he doesn't have to worry about? Stupid racist bullshit. Even though he's got to worry about all this all this other stuff, right? And then you said mm-hmm. that she set herself up, but my entire point is that she didn't set herself up. This society sets up people like her 
to fail and they finally got her they try to get people like her to fail when they're really young they try to get her to fail i mean she's already she's only 21 but they try to get her to fail in yeah. school try to get her to fail in college and they finally were able to get her to fail it took her birth mother dying in order to do something that most people agree is perfectly reasonable fine to do it is not performance enhancing it yeah. should have no impact on her ability anyways the entire reason she is suspended is systemic racism clear and simple and that's why it's bullshit it's not because it's a rule and the rule shouldn't be enforced it's that the only reason the rule exists is to finally find a way to punish somebody as excellent as shikari richardson who has not actually done anything deserving of punishment so 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 i and i thank you for your ex explanation and, and and you know bringing it back to my you know how i how i relayed my point about this so here's the thing if we if we work if we work within a society or a system where we know that certain things are prohibited, like we knew in the 1920s that that alcohol was illegal, right, or, or prohibition, but there are places that are that were still partaking in in, in the use of alcohol and, and things of that nature. If we get caught selling or going to a place or being in a place where alcohol is being sold, we broke a rule. We, we get arrested, right? I can't tell this woman how to process her grief. And I, I need to like make sure that that is known that because it was a way for her to process her grief. But again, knowing that the stakes were, and in, and to your point that they're gonna get you for something, let it not be this. Let it not be this. Let it not, let, let this bullshit rule not take away four years of training. I mean, we know four years, the culmination is going to the Olympics. If that's your, if, if this is the situation, that this could take away that. Um, anyone that's familiar with, that's listening to the show right now, that's familiar with Olympic testing for any sport, it's a, it's very random. They come to wherever you are in the world, depending on what level of athletes you are, and they test you randomly. So this could have happened, you know, anywhere else. It just happened at the Olympic trials. And I think that's what makes it, I guess, so devious. It's like, well, well okay. Um, she she had the situation happen. All of a sudden, she's tested now. What it, did anyone else test and get a positive test as well? She she couldn't have been the only person tested, and she came up with you know came up with the pop, is what I'm saying. Not just in track and field, but period around this around this time frame, right? So that is that is in itself devious. That all of a sudden her mom she's told in a fucked up way that her mom died because that reporter was a piece of shit. Like you don't, you bring someone off camera and says, hey, did you know that your mom, you don't put someone in that situation that day and then put a hot mic in front of them. Like, okay, how do you feel? What's going on? And you don't know this or whatever. Um, what you said about how marijuana is used to, to I guess, uh, incarcerate us, I 100% agree with that because I have friends, friends and family members that were incarcerated or are incarcerated for that reason, right? Where I'm like, wow. And I've and I've been around people, professional people who have done hardcore drugs and been pulled over with said hardcore drugs and was just, okay, well, you know, just go ahead about your way. So to not beat this to a dead horse, I think um, it's something that we don't have a level playing field, no pun intended. And again, you know, we we do things and then the consequences are greater for us. I think she had more at stake than 
she she what do you call it? And I think that she admitted she fucked up. And I think that the unwarranted, like, oh, well, this is it, it cost her the rest of it because then they looked at it like, oh, you know what? Since there's this is gonna pick up traction, let's do that. But again, it's not just this. This could have cost her millions of dollars as a pro athlete because it's such a fucking stupid rule. I agree. So, I agree it's a stupid rule, but it's, it's a rule nonetheless. So, but that's the thing. When when we see the enforcement of stupid rules, that's when people who want to change those rules or want to change the system that leads to those rules are supposed to be the ones that step up and come and like come out and really push to change it. And instead, she's just being completely completely thrown aside by people who last summer were all about changing rules and like doing things and wanting to help and whatever. So like, yeah, you mentioned that we uh, that we black people have to work within the, the system and the society as it's currently constructed which is true but that's a reflection of reality now reflection of how it should be and there should be massive pushes towards making society how it how it should be and that just is not happening in this case and the other thing i wanted another point i wanted to make here too is that she's not the only person suffering for this and so we're we're seeing this the same, the same sort of instinct that leads to a rule to punish a 21-year-old for smoking marijuana um, is the same that leads to, like, not wanting to teach critical race theory or, like, not wanting to expand, expand Medicaid into different states, right? Uh, Heather McGee wrote a book called The Sum of Us, which really explains how racism is harmful to everybody in the country, not just the people it's meant to harm. And in this case, it's easy to see, right? For us as people who are Americans and sports fans, the Olympics, what do we want to see? We want to watch Americans. We want to watch them win. We want to be at the top of the medal count. We want to flex on everybody else, right? That's what we want to see at the Olympics. We want to win sports. That's why we watch the sports in the first place. And now the best sprinter in our country is not going to be able to run right it's not just you know she's going to represent her country but what does that mean in this context i mean she's going to she's going to win gold medals for the country right like she's going for us and now she's not for us and so now we do not get to have shikari richardson represent us in this big international competition because she was smoking marijuana at 21 because her mom died this is ridiculous racism is going to cost all of us in that way as well not just her personal dream but the society in general that's why we like the olympics it's so that we can go watch our fellow americans compete and hopefully win and we're going to do that now they have decided that i don't get to have the opportunity to watch her win this gold medal in japan because she was smoking weed right she's not the only victim here just like it's with any sort of racist rule this rule is bullshit the enforcement of it is bullshit and the fact that people in power who profess to want to change systems like this do not come out and say it. Joe Biden saying, oh, a rule is a rule is a rule is a rule is horseshit. He can't he can't erase it. He can't flip it over. He's not a dictator, but he can use his bully pulpit to be like, that's stupid. Marijuana should not, you know, he should be using this to launch it by federal legalization. And this is not right way to increase mental health access for black people. And instead, he's like, oh, a rule is a rule, right? This is the problem. That's why the rule exists. It's because people who are in a position to actually try to influence to change it don't really want to they don't really want to come forward and, and change it right you know it's impossible to ignore what happened to george floyd it's not impossible to ignore what's happening to shikari richardson therefore they're going to ignore it and they're going to avoid her and she's just going to be tossed aside for another four years unless she screws up again also she didn't admit that she fucked up she admitted that she smoked weed right and that's an important distinction because that is not a mistake 
she did not admit to making a mistake because she didn't. She admitted to doing something that was going to get her punished. And that's a huge well, distinction they have to draw. Well, yeah. here. She knows it's she knows it's bullshit. So so here's I'm glad you I'm glad you brought it full tilt back to uh I guess the the racial undertones or overtones of it. Um I don't think personally, and again, this is how this getting it from your eyes, I I think that America didn't want her representing us, meaning not just black people, but America in general, because of her nails, maybe her hair, maybe the eyelashes, maybe the way she speaks sometimes, because she's not a yeah, college speaker. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, so now in hearing how you were laying out the racial undertones of it, I kind of see clearly where you were going with it and the rule being an instrument to say, well, we're going to use this as our exactly. guides to say, hey, you know what? We don't want you representing us at all because you don't look like Simone Biles. You don't look like Dominique Dawes. You don't look like, you know, whoever. You look like some chick from the hood and we don't want that. So, yeah, I I, I can see where that is uh, is used to, to push her out and they're going to do it. It's the same with the NCAA you know, raking in millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, but some kid is living off of twelve hundred bucks a month to, to barely eat in some cases, and then they're like, "Well, it's fair. We're giving them a degree. You know, like we're giving we we're not using you, but you're not gonna you know you're not gonna represent yourself." Um, and it's unfortunate. I I I just think that you know. Unfortunately, as a black person in America, speaking just for me, not for the, you know, masses of us that exist in this country, I know that I have to play the game sometimes. And even uh, I hate the word tap dance. I have to tap dance for 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 things because I've had stuff on on jobs where I'm like, man, that's that's kind of an archaic thing to do. Like we're in the 21st century. Why do we have to do that? Why is that policy even still in the books? You know what I'm saying? Where you know these things happen like as a property manager i got a every every quarter i got like a credit check and a criminal background check because they wanted me to be in a position where i'm handling millions of dollars for someone that i'm not i'm not in so much debt that i'm going to do something stupid and steal but i'm like you just asked me say hey you everything good at home yes you have to run my credit to see but these rules exist and i i unfortunately have to play the game uh, it, it, it's 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 messed up, man. But again, this is a lesson to all of us out there. You know, when you aspire to be an athlete, you know, Cam Newton took a took a laptop, took a laptop, and that cost him his scholarship at that school. Other kids, other kids accept the Range Rover and get popped for it, but it's cool. But Cam Newton, Cam Newton got punished for that. You know. So I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. So and the thing is too is that there's so you are of course absolutely correct about having to tamp dance and, and play the game and manipulate our way through society and make sure this, that, and the other, and you know, big things like not being disrespectful to police, you know, that's not illegal, you know, stuff and stuff like that. Yeah. But usually, and I say usually the expectation that we should have of people who don't need to tap dance, but want to make it so we don't have to tap dance. They need to show up when these situations happen. And like, 
where are all these people who are always like like if you if you're a, a white person with a black lives matter sign but you're not like out here caping for shikari then you're missing the point right we don't only matter when the police kill us like we matter when there's injustice against us which is all the time so we can't get a loan so we're being punished for weed so we're getting longer uh, longer uh, sentences than white people for doing the same crime like they need to show up all the time and this situation just shows that like they actually don't care right no, they can't no, they can avoid right. showing up for george floyd but they can avoid showing up for shikari and they're going to you're right um, and and another another point about the Biden thing that that people are getting to see now that how the presidential situation works is that since the, he's a man of all the people, um, they trotted out Cardi B before the before the big vote to you know to get the push, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Cardi B's number one song was Wet Ass Pussy at the time, right. but they back like that was acceptable to put that out, put her out there. Oh, this is uh, award-winning, whatever singer, songwriter, rapper. This, but like you said, you're not gonna back a homegrown uh, athlete, you know, that's gonna go dominate for us overseas. But again, it comes back to, and you made me kind of see this point in what you were saying earlier, is that at the end of the day, I don't think they wanted her representing a, a poster for us. Like they didn't want her to not be for black people, but just like, well, you don't represent America. And this is going to be a situation where, you know what, you did this, uh, we could have easily, you know, whatever. But I'm like, I just question now, like, she did this and then she got tested, like, right after. Did someone call it in? Did someone see her? And like, you know what, they didn't test her. It's crazy, bro. Yeah. All right, welcome back, Matt. I don't know where he, I don't know yet yeah, he is. Did, 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 he, did he just bounce? <laughs> he, he, he was like... Uh, he, I hope he's not making like a let Shakari run website or something right now. <laughs> Took my words to heart. He's out here painting his nails, getting ready to go, showing up for the opening ceremony. No, yeah. the, the these are the perils of recording during the workday when we have uh, a plumber checking our plumbing right now. So I had to kind of bounce <laughs> on that. So I admittedly missed every single word of that conversation. You're gonna uh, catch I'm sure. No, you yeah, can. Uh, you can. Yeah, you could. Uh, you missed every single word of what I had to say. Are you Joe Biden? No, I, I actually was standing in the room, but the headphones are on loud enough that I could hear. And I uh, know I did hear, you know, what both of you were saying. And I don't think it's any different than what Cleve and I have discussed offline or, you know, I've discussed with other people. So uh, the way I saw it was you two had differing opinions and I kind of felt like, you know, you needed to voice it out. So uh, keep doing that. But before, you know, we keep moving. Urban Meyer, you wanted to talk about him, Cleve, because it looks like he and the GM got subpoenaed for their hiring of the dude from Iowa. Yeah, so basically yeah, yeah. in a nutshell, in a nutshell, guys, it's uh it's about the case that of the of the football program um against Chris Doyle. And they subpoenaed Urban because they want to know, well, you know, hiring practices, did they do their due diligence? Did they find out anything in discovery or not when they hired him? Um, you know. So the reason I want to talk about this or bring this up is because this is exactly what the Jackson Jacksonville Jaguars don't want as a story um, is just being a circus. Like everything that that surrounds the program, they don't want to be a flashpoint or anything like that. But it's good old Urban. Urban Urban finds himself in situations where he just kind of like becomes the guy somewhere in in it. So he's gonna go subpoena. He knows Chris Doyle well, but. We'll see what he says to defend the guy in the case. I think it's like a $20 million lawsuit. Some players are, you know, alleging the, uh, the 
racism and all the other things that went on. Um, Urban always finds themselves in the middle of all this stuff. They hired a guy who was a 48-hour hire, basically. Like, he didn't work for the company, but for 48 hours in the capacity that he just got hired and then fired. Um, but uh, it, it again, it lends to believe that like these things that Urban does brings brings uh, controversy and it brings stuff to the program that he's running. Um, I only mentioned it because, again, it becomes like a distraction at some point where uh, he's going to have to go down and make a statement either on the behalf of Chris Doyle or not on the behalf of Chris Doyle. And, you know, but they had hired him. So they may want to know in your discovery, in your in your due diligence, in your background checks, did you find any of this relevant to hire him or you just didn't give a shit because he's your guy? And they, didn't they hire him the same year that he got fired from Iowa? Like yeah. in the same calendar year, he got fired from yes. Iowa for this. And then Urban's like, yeah, you can come work for me. You're totally the kind of guy I'd love to have on my staff. <laughs> At least it seems that way. I I have to admit, I have a huge uh, bias against Urban Meyer. He is totally not my guy. Uh, Cleve and I have taken an absolute dump on him countless times. I, I'm actually losing count at this point, but uh, <laughs> I did not know he was actually subpoenaed. And I guess he gave a written statement. Uh, he did yeah. not give it in an in-person statement, but you know, I, I don't blame them. I mean, you have to ask the question. I mean, from a, in a court of law standpoint, like, hey, why did you hire this guy? Just because you fired him doesn't necessarily make it good. It actually makes it uh, almost the makes it worse. The pressure made them fire him. Yeah, he wouldn't have fired him if it had not been for the pressure. Like exactly, that's the, that's the part about Urban Meyer that I just I don't get. He'll apologize to Buckeye Nation, but he's not going to apologize for the battered women, right? And or I or say the victim's it, name. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm just, you know, whatever. But speaking of Urban Meyer, this is according to the Florida Times Union. Apparently, Jimmy Johnson said that, uh, quote, he's a little frustrated right now because he spent so little time with the players. He's accustomed to being around the players all the time, and they weren't able to because of COVID-19 or just because they're professionals and they don't have to do everything he fucking says. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the latter of that works. Yeah, yeah. He is, this is this is going to be a spectacular dumpster fire over the next two to three seasons, and I oh. just I'm so here for it. Yeah, I, I I very well may move to Jacksonville until he gets fired, just so I can watch every <laughs> home game. Um, and 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 the best part too is there's an extra game in the schedule that he could lose, so he could possibly go 0 and 17. It could be that you know this bad, but uh, it was apparently breaking news that Trevor Lawrence signed his contract, and I'm like, is it? I mean what <laughs> hello like and they're like mm -hmm. breaking news i'm like that's not breaking news that's just inevitability is what that is so uh enough urban meyer that guy's an asshole we've we've given him a lot of time but on the odds and ends list uh one unfortunate thing i saw this was in our time away apparently uh mark richt who was the former coach of georgia in miami was diagnosed with parkinson's and uh yeah and you know he's still going to be working the acc stuff uh, broadcast i think on the acc network and stuff and i think he's going to continue to push forward but you know say what you want about him never winning the big one what kind of a coach he is you know parkinson sucks uh and you know getting that kind of a diagnosis was tough and i saw that on twitter and i thought it was at least worth mentioning so i think all of us at pf uh you know certainly send our thoughts there because you know just a terrible diagnosis and i don't know of any stories that make him a shitty human being to not deserve at least that alone so i i'm not a huge fan of uh, mark rick for a number of reasons although not for anything urban meyer style um yeah. more of like like this sort of fake preacher sort of thing sort of yeah. sort of style but nothing to i mean first of all nobody deserves parkinson's maybe trump but nobody else deserves parkinson's um 
So I feel bad for him for that. I certainly don't don't want to see that. Maybe Lou Holtz. Anyways, not Mark Rick is the point. So, um, so yeah, so I do and I I, I want to say I wish you recover, but like there's no recovery for that, right? It's just sort of like a wait till it wait till it, even, it yeah. sort of sort of deal. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know yeah, if so there's I feel like bad a, for him. I don't even know if there's a true treatment. I mean, Michael J. Fox, I feel like, has been defying the odds having Parkinson's with how long he's been alive with it. Uh, but he's getting progressively worse, and it just eventually mm -hmm. takes you. I mean, it's kind of like Alzheimer's. There's nothing they can do well, about it. You just start to dive in. Yeah, to Dave's, uh, to Dave's point on, on the last segment, uh, marijuana is used to, to, to reduce the tremors, at least, uh, as, as a medicinal purpose. So, uh, you know... It is yeah. used so, for it's used for that. So so Mark Rick will not be winning the hundred meter dash this year. Uh looks like he probably wouldn't be. I think okay. that was okay. probably a that was probably a guarantee regardless of whether he had <laughs> Parkinson's or used pot or not. I'm just gonna go ahead and put that out there. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure that that's a stone cold lead pipe lock <laughs> right there. All right, so we got a few more minutes left, uh, and I always bring at least one positive story. But since it's been so long, I actually have four today. So uh, hopefully you guys okay, are okay. Here we go. A few, yes. So these kind of run the gamut. They're not just football, but uh, this one is from the New York Yankees, and I can't believe I'm going to give them credit, but I'm going to give them credit here. Um, in 1961, ten-year-old Gwen Goldman penned a letter to the Yankees expressing her dream of becoming a Bat Girl. Uh, essentially, the GM responded and said, "Girls can't do that." Uh, she wow. basically hung, she, she hung that letter uh, in her living room for the rest of her life. And a couple weeks ago, the Yankees granted her that wish. And at 70 years old, she was a Batgirl for the New York Yankees, uh, got to meet Garrett Cole. And it was just a really, really cool thing. And I thought, you know, that's an easy thing for the Yankees to do. And, uh, and they did it. So, you know, kudos to them. I thought that was a pretty cool story. 70 years old and being a Batgirl. And she was so fucking stoked. Good thing she didn't want to be a, a, a ball girl for the Giants. Gettleman still would have been like, girls can't do that. Yeah, he probably would have. But I thought it was interesting that she kept the letter. And honestly, it's a, it shows you just how easily we dismissed so many people. And that includes women, mm -hmm. um, you know, way back in the past to the point that, you know, girls don't do that. And now it's all inclusive. And it's just nice that they went back and, and realized that they, you know, fixed her mistake, fixed their mistake, essentially. So I thought that was cool. So uh, yeah, one cool agree. one one of them is um, I, we're going to talk about the spelling bee here on political football because we leave no stone unturned as it relates to the sports world. I caught this on ESPN eight, the Ocho, and uh, for for all of you dodgeball fans, but I believe it's Zaila Avant Garde. Uh, the first African American yeah. to win the national spelling bee, and how great of a last name is that? So great! It's 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 phenomenal. It's just it's. Everything about this girl is phenomenal, starting with the name and just all the way through. Please keep going, keep going. Yes. Oh, I just loved it. Um, and I just thought it was worthy of mentioning. I mean, I, I'm always disappointed when it's a first of something that should have been normalized by now. But uh, especially when it's you know young kids, I mean, she was just so excited. And the word she used and how she spelled it when she asked, does it have a famous actor's last name in the spelling? And the judges were like, I don't know. And then basically the announcer was like, Bill Murray made the spelling bee. And that's how she figured out how to spell the word because it was Mariah or, so, or Maria or something like that. And it was spelled Murray with an A at the end. And that was the wow. word that she won on. And she asked if Bill Murray, well, like his last name was in it. Extremely clever. So uh, did you also see like that she's a hooper? Like she yes. plays oh, she is a very high level. 100%. Like, she's a, like, like she's a bucket. Like like she, they can't stop her. No nope. crazy dribbling skills. Yeah, she's she's amazing. 
Absolutely. So that was a cool one. Um, do you want to say something, Cleve? No, no. I uh, as, as you get through your stories, I have one. Uh, uh, okay. It's like not local, but local for me as in New Jersey. So this one is sort of related uh, in that in that it is a first. But um, Dave, you and I talked about Madden covers a couple of episodes ago, and this one's an mm -hmm. NBA 2K cover. And Candace Parker was the going to be the first woman to be featured as a cover uh, athlete for the NBA 2K series. And I thought it's about damn time. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I mean, they're running through. They got like Dame on the cover last year. And don't get me wrong. I like Dame, but he's not better at basketball than Candace Parker. Yeah, he hasn't won anything yet. Like, the fuck out of here. <laughs> these guys, man. These guys are on these covers. They ain't won shit yet. So I saved this one for last because I truly believe this is the best one. Um, a few weeks ago or, you know, two weeks ago, that, that building collapsed in Miami. And we did not talk about that because we were not uh, recording at that time. But uh, new, I believe, you know, I mean, excuse me, Dolphins. Jalen Waddell and Jerome Baker helped deliver water to the reunification center for the families of those that were had you know lost family members in the collapsed building, and I thought that was, to me, as an athlete representing a town, uh, in times like that, like they have the means to do it and they should be doing it, and I just thought it was a really great thing because that is catastrophic on so many levels and unprecedented in so many ways, and um, you know we're all those people are still seeking out answers, and I don't know when they'll ever get them. And uh, just showing up to give water is such a small thing, but it means the world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So so the thing I want to say, too, is like we took three weeks off. And while the football world didn't turn, the world turns around us at all times. And that's why this show is intertwined with politics. We put politics in quotes, but it's really the world revolving around us as the game of football is happening and that's why in the off season we get to stretch our you know stretch out a little bit flex our muscles as it relates to things not football and there's a lot of positivity to be found even when the world feels like it's dark so i wanted to bring as many as i could and i had saved them over the week so that i could yes so nice. go ahead cleve so i have a i have a story um um from from new jersey actually and it's about a one edward cagney matthews a piece of shit racist from New Jersey, uh, the town of Mount Laurel. Um, Mount Laurel is a town in New Jersey that is, uh, it has a decision named after it called the Mount Laurel decision. It, it's one of those kind of places where uh, the federal court had to, of New Jersey had to step in and like write a law. Like they, they had to like sell to people of color and things of that nature back in the day. Um, so Mount Laurel, it has ugly history, but this guy was a neighborhood terror for several years. Um, uh, scratching their cars up, uh, cursing at them. And one, one day, this was back on July 6th, he was caught. Someone recorded him and a neighbor getting into it. And he was, he was full tilt with his bullshit. And you guys might, may have loosely heard of this story. Um, he ended up, the cops were called. They didn't do anything to him, but tell him to go home, which was like weird that this guy was in on someone else's property on their doorstep, in their face, threatening bodily harm. He was told to go home. Um, in him walking away, he puts out his name, his full name and his address to the like social media world. And like 800 people showed up to his house, barbecuing, and just kind of like outside of his house, Black Lives Matter shit on, like full blown like protests. Um, and he was eventually arrested and, and, and charged, which uh, it took a day or two for that to happen. 
But of course, he he tried to apologize as, oh, you know, my anger got the best of me, but there was a lot of history here with this. So my my thing is that in this day and age with social media, you can't like watch what you say. Like you you put your address out there because people were saying, oh, no, sh no one should have came to his house. I'm like, he said, come try me if you think I'm playing around and puts his address on social media. So yeah, they came and tried. So if you guys Google the story, it's absolutely amazing because outside of his home, it looked like a tailgate. I'm like, what game is on? It was so many people, <laughs> so many people out there. I'm like, holy shit. They were barbecuing and then it, you know, it, it, it took to a fever pitch and he was arrested. But um, to anyone out there who still thinks in 2021 that you can just like determine what your neighborhood is supposed to look like. I don't know what fucking planet you're on, but you better get with the program that you just can't go up to your neighbor's doorstep and say, I don't like that you live here. It's bullshit. Yeah. Not to mention, uh, what if it were me or you, Cleve, that was the neighbor that they said that to? They're not, they're, they don't know what we're packing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. People, I don't know. People think that they could just say and do anything and there's no consequence behind it. I'm like, he put his name out, his address, and he was shocked that people showed up to his house. I'm like, what do you think was going to happen? I mean, when you dox yourself, you're a fucking moron. So, or or, or Iron Man, one or the other. <laughs> Highly go. doubtful. Highly doubtful. And uh, Dave, just so you're aware, Cleve and I put my neighbors on notice because we actually fight in my cul-de-sac in front of my neighbors. And the cops have not been called one time yet, so I guess we're good. Uh, they're they're oh, good with it. Dave doesn't know well, the gang fight story. Dave, there's a true, gang fight not. story. You, you're familiar with Under the Bridge, right? The um, Jones Point Park? Yes. So <laughs> I was visiting some friends who uh, I don't want to say what place they're from and all that, but they were they were out there doing submit work with, with their guys, right? Someone called in a gang fight. Cops came, like Alexandria police, like descended on, this is like a couple years ago, descended on it and was like, yeah, we have calls of a gang fight. And I'm like, wow, there's gloves out here. Guys are wearing gloves. There's a crowd of people, yes, but guys are wearing gloves and like there's obviously like choreographed network going on that's that it's a gang fight. So I'm like, this is insane. So yeah, I was there for the gang fight. <laughs> well, what's what's funny is that Matt said Cleve and I fight in our in the cul-de-sac outside the house. He didn't <laughs> mention that it's like you guys are like doing training and boxing. So yeah. for some of the listeners, it really does sound like you guys just get together and go full fight club. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is it, it's not outside. that different. It's really not that different. We've had multiple neighbors kind of come out and peek. And one guy who wasn't even from here was like, do you guys do this every day? This is like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, this guy is from Delaware. So he definitely needs a little bit more of a life. But I have to tell you a story before we get out. Cleve, you talked about, you know, having the cops, you know, called on you that time. And like, you know, being called in having it called a gang fight and when it's like total misnomer so when we first moved to this neighborhood my wife was walking the dog there's these two ladies that live together they're old we call them the old biddies which is a super old word i get it but uh they're really mean and they were talking to her and they're like do you pick up after your dog while she's holding an actual bag of shit that we've picked up from our dog right so i get a text message i'm out for a run and it says i just got in a scuffle with one of the old ladies and i was like i need to get the fuck back there immediately because i'm like i'm racing back thinking that there's like an old lady and my wife like rolling around on their front lawn like she used the word scuffle and i was like oh my god this is great so i get i get there 
and she's like i said what happened and she's like oh i just yelled at her and i was like oh my god i was like you that's not a scuffle i was like <laughs> when i hear the word scuffle i'm thinking that hands were put on somebody there's like shaking <laughs> ripping of shirts i don't know i was like i was expecting the cops to be here i'm gonna have to explain that you're not a violent person that you just beat up an old woman and she's like no nothing happened and i was like it was one of the most disappointing stories ever i was like you need to learn how to use the right word yeah, she, she's like, no, dear, that's a Donnie Brook. I said scuffle, <laughs> yeah. calm down. I yeah, we we could have a whole episode on ranking those words oh, because man. I think some of those are great. But anyway, um, could could turn into a melee. It could, or yeah, kerfuffle is one of the worst. That's like that sounds like something we do on clouds with pillows, and I'm, I'm not into it. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's been a while since we've been on the air, so a little bit of a deeper episode, I think, for us, but. Uh, Good stuff today, fellas. I thought it was really good. Any closing thoughts outside of uh, my wife not knowing what a scuffle is? Um, so I think I think you guys mentioned is the Cowboys the uh, point the team on Arnox? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. August tenth, HBO. We're not plugging HBO. That's just the network that it's on. But yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be the first time I've ever watched Hard Knocks, and I feel like I have ever. So. You should. Yes, you should ever. you should watch you should go back and watch like the last couple seasons. It's a really good show. Like, yeah, it's you'll a get good a lot show. It. It's actually you'll, you'll a pretty good it. show. You'll love it. It's a good right. show. I, I yeah, I, I definitely I'm in Dave's camp. It's like for me it, it it was part of like the build up to the football season that's coming because it was you know, you just got to see some stuff. Like I like to see like 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 the final cut down. Like I, I love that part of the show, but um the Jets I like watching I like watching Chad Johnson get fired on television. That was cool. <laughs> The Jets one was good, but I wish that the outtakes because the Greg Williams and um and uh Trump and um Haley um near blow up in front of Hugh and they you could tell they chopped the film because it just went like a weird conversation kind of got weird and I'm like they chopped that film. That shit got really out of out of control. And you know, Todd Haley was like, oh, you know what, fuck your fuck your defense, whatever. And it got I'm like, man, this is the, this is why this show exists. And then I'm like, it's on HBO, guys. Let's, let's, I'll play it out but you know hopefully we get some of that with Jer but Jer's gonna control the whole thing so um, I don't know how much fun we're gonna see with the Cowboys well for yeah, fantasy think- purposes I want to see how fat Zeke is in training camp to know how oh, I should be taking man. him with a 6 overall pick or something is it Cowboy again? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's a great way to end it. Anyway, uh, to all the listeners, appreciate your patience. Uh, We hope to be back a little bit more often. But honestly, we're all grinding, and uh, we're trying to figure it out from a scheduling perspective. But I had a lot of fun. Uh, Check us out wherever you find your podcast. We're everywhere. I have basically every Matty Ice Media podcast is a leech now because we are just in every place that you could possibly find it. All of these podcast platforms I didn't even know existed, but I now subscribe to Political Football on every single one of them. So we have like 16 subscribers all from my phone. So (laughs) congrats to us. Uh, Appreciate your time this week, fellas. And for everybody, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Peace. See ya. Political Football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.